Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day, plus Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. As home prices and interest rates continue to rise and inventory levels dip, it's getting harder to find quality flips and wholesale deals. When there's not enough on-market inventory to go around, it's time to start looking off-market. Lucky for you, there are millions of homeowners nationwide who own a property they need to get off their hands. I got two words for you, my friend. PropStream it. PropStream is the leading real estate data provider and recognized as a Tech 100 honoree by Housing Wire for the fourth consecutive year. With PropStream, you can search over 155 million properties nationwide using 120 plus search filters like pre-foreclosure, bankruptcy, pre-probate, failed listings, and more to help you find motivated sellers in seconds. PropStream offers both public record data and an MLS sales estimate that's over 99% accurate to help you get the most accurate comps even in non-disclosure states. PropStream also provides lead automation, skip tracing, and a marketing suite with emails, postcards, and custom landing pages to close more deals efficiently. Get started today with their seven-day free trial and get 50 leads for free. Head on over to www.propstream.com BP. That's www.propstream.com BP. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 865. What's going on, everyone? Hello and happy new year. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Show. If you're new here, I am David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Podcast. Join today with my fellow Avengers, Dave Meyer, Henry Washington, and Rob Abasolo to help me out. 
Dave, tell us a little about what type of show we have in store for everyone today. Well, to start the new year off right, we are going to be taking a look into the housing market and the economy to talk about what's actually going on and perhaps debunk some of the myths that are pervasive in the media right now about the housing market. As an example, there's a new survey out from Fannie Mae that found out that only 14% of Americans, just 14% think that now is a good time to buy real estate. So it's basically the four of us on the show and no one else. But if you actually look into some of the data, you could see that perhaps it is a good time to buy real estate. And we're going to provide some investor perspectives and some data about what is actually going on. We're going to look into a couple of surveys that we dug up that look at consumer confidence, investor sentiment. And our goal here today is to inform and basically arm you with the tools you need to make deals happen in 2024. Couldn't have said it better myself, Dave. And before we get into this show, we want to take a minute to let you know that you're going to be hearing some changes on the podcast this year. Our goal is to bring you more stories about people who are actually doing deals today, information and news that can help keep you informed on these decisions, and strategies to help you pivot your business in this more volatile market. So you're going to be hearing some of these changes, but hopefully we're bringing you in the moment news that can help you in your real estate journey today. Yeah, and we can acknowledge that in the past, we've had a lot of different stories and information that worked for investors at different market cycles at different times in different environments. But we're in a completely different housing market than ever before. So we're going to shift our stories and content to match where we are today. And with that being said, we're going to need your feedback. We need to know if what we're doing is actually providing value to you. So we make this free content for you. So please give us a comment, send us a DM, let us know your honest opinion on the shows and how you feel this year. All right, let's get into it. But before we jump too deep into the housing market survey, let's talk about how Americans in general are feeling about the economy. Our first survey shows surprise. Americans are starting to feel better about the economy and inflation. Dave Meyer, what say you? I guess the first thing I find is that my feelings are always the opposite of what everyone else in the country is feeling. Um, but, but this isn't about me. The latest release of the University of Michigan, which is pretty much the most well-known consumer sentiment survey, shows that for the last really like year, year and a half, consumer sentiment has been climbing. And what it's showing is that sentiment basically bottomed towards the end of 2022 and has been steadily rebounding. And that is encouraging, but I think it's really important to note that even though it has been climbing, it is still really low in a historical context. So if you look back at the last decade, we're still below pretty much any time pre-pandemic, but the trajectory is pointing upward and perhaps Americans are starting to feel a little bit better going into 2024. Henry, what do you think? I think people are just becoming accustomed to the price of things. They're becoming accustomed to what interest rates are. Yes, people feel like they're high, but people are still buying homes, not in the volume they were buying them uh, uh, previously the past couple of years ago, but people are still doing deals. And every time I travel, guys, I just look at the airport. They're packed. Like people are traveling. They're spending money. They're going out to eat. They're doing all of these extracurricular activities. And so what I see out in the public kind of reflects what I'm reading in this article, that people seem to be somewhat confident or feel like things are uh, 
normal again. Dave, you are ever the contrarian. People seem to be feeling better about the economy, but should they? I don't, you know, I sort of felt pretty good about the economy overall in 2023, at least in terms of like the traditional metrics, like the labor market and GDP. And that proved to be accurate. You know, GDP did grow pretty well this year. The labor market has remained resilient. But I'm feeling like there are some headwinds now that may slow down the economy in 2024. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to send us into super high unemployment or necessarily into negative GDP growth. But you start seeing some data about how savings rates are declining. You see some information about how a lot of the savings that people had accumulate during COVID have been depleted. You have these other headwinds like student loan repayments starting to come up. You see things about credit card debt increasing. And the other thing is that interest rates on average take 12 to 18 months to ripple through an economy. And so we are really only starting to begin to feel the impact of the first interest rates. Now, that's different in real estate. Real estate, you sort of feel the impact immediately. But the way it gets impacted, it impacts consumers and other businesses is a little bit delayed. And so to me, I think we're going to see the economy slow a bit in the first half of 2024. Again, I don't think this is going to be any sort of disaster, but I do think it's going to slow from where we were, at least in the second half of 2023, when things were sort of surprisingly strong. Can I ask a follow up question on something you said? You mentioned that it takes 12 to 18 months for interest rates to sort of take effect on the economy. And you said the first set of interest rates, do you mean back when interest rates were like 3% that's starting to hit the economy or when interest rates hit their all-time highs of seven, eight, nine percent. That's what we're starting to feel right now. Well, I'm referring to the federal funds rate. So I, basically not not mortgage rates, but where what the Fed is actually doing. And so most if you look at this is not my research, this is just economist research. They say that typically for uh, when the Fed raises rates for the full impact of that to be felt really to every corner of the economy from car sales to employment to investment in new infrastructure for businesses takes 12 to 18 months. Now, if you think about it, we're 21 months from the first Fed increase from this tightening cycle. And so that means that a lot of the impacts from previous Fed hikes that happened months ago are only starting to be felt right now. And of course, this may be different this time, but if you took look at the traditional research, it means that some of the impact of higher rates are still yet to be felt. And so that might put some further breaks on the economy, at least. Now, the surveys did show that American savings rates are down as well. Does anyone here see that posing any form of risk going into 2024 for the average American consumer or the real estate investor that depends on that person to pay their rent? I think it'll play in a couple of ways. One, uh, as an investor who is flipping properties, if people have less savings, then that definitely can play into them feeling like they can afford to buy a new home if they're not leveraging some sort of down payment assistance program. And so there's not, I know there are lots of down payment assistance programs out there, but uh, there's not a lot of like, like most people aren't just aware that that's something they can go research on their own and potentially qualify for. And so if there's less savings, there's potentially less buyers or people who feel like they can buy a home because they just automatically assume, well, I don't have anything in savings. Even I can't even save a three and a half to 5% down payment. 
And on the other hand, as a landlord, yes, you've got you've got tenants who are looking to pay rent. Most tenants hopefully aren't paying rent out of savings. We're we're basically um, evaluating tenants based on what their their gross income is per month. But if an emergency happens and they have to take care of emergencies out of their out of their everyday living and they don't have savings to pay rent, then, yeah, I think that that can impact landlords as well. Um but there's still pretty high demand for rental properties especially where, where I'm at. So there's not really high vacancy, uh, meaning that if a tenant doesn't decide to pay and you have to get a new tenant, typically it's not a problem to do that. But that's kind of how I see how these things might impact a, a real estate investor. I've got, I've got something to say on, on this. I mean, I think for the average American consumer, really the big risk is and it's a, a kind of a no dough one. But I mean, with lack of savings or a smaller amount of savings than usual, I would say the big risk here is it sort of the if the tech industry is kind of continues getting hammered, people lose their jobs and that side of things. It's really the the big risk here is when people are in high amounts of debt, especially high interest debt, like car interest rates, for example, are much higher than they were a couple of years ago. I just bought a vehicle and I think it was like a seven or eight percent interest rate. And that was a huge bummer compared to the two and a half percent rate I got two or three years ago. And so I think a lot of people have been taking on some of this debt and once once the you know the other shoe drops if you will um if you don't have the savings to combat some of these higher interest debt that's been kind of coming into play with these consumers I think that's where we'll start getting into a bit of a stickier situation. Dave, what about you? I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think as, as you guys have said that we're starting to see, I think more potential downside in terms of rent, household formation, maybe vacancies in, in both long-term and short-term rentals. But I want to make clear to people that even, you know, you hear the word recession or economic slowdown, and a lot of people associate that with housing prices falling. And that certainly did happen in the last major recession in 2008. But if you look at the last six recessions, housing prices actually went up four of the six times. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that a recession or an economic slowdown and prices in the housing market move in the same direction. And this is a whole other topic, but there's a lot of reason to believe at least in this year, that if there is an economic slowdown, that that will bolster housing market demand because it will probably bring about lower interest rates. All right. So far, we have discussed consumer sentiment at large about the economy. And next up, we're going to get into Fannie Mae's National Housing Survey and RCN Capital's Investor Sentiment Survey. But before that, a quick break. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. 
Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to RelayFi.com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Your competitors are fighting for your customer's attention. So how do you stand out? Easy. Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Reach new audiences, grow your customer list, sell more, raise more, and fast-track your growth. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business through email and SMS marketing, social media, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? Don't sweat it, because Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. And with my boot camps and live events, I just don't have the time to clone myself. So I just let Constant Contact do the marketing for me, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with the free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Dave Meyer, tell us a little bit about Fannie Mae's National Housing Survey. Well, this one's pretty easy to explain. People are pretty down on the housing market right now. The first metric that we looked at is Fannie Mae's National Housing Survey. 
And people have been just really grim about it. It peaked back in February of 2020. And ever since then, fewer and fewer people have said that it's a good time to invest in real estate or to purchase a, a home, really. It's not for investors. This is also just home buyers. Um, and it really hasn't shown much sign of recovering even over the last couple of months. So the conclusion from Fannie Mae's National Housing Survey is pretty clear. People do not like real estate right now. It's important to know that this isn't just investors. In fact, it is not investors. It's focused on primary home buyers. And basically, since the beginning of the pandemic, people have gotten more and more pessimistic and negative about the housing market. And as far as back as we have this data, which is only to 2011, so we don't really have the last downturn, but it is far, far below anything that was going on pre-pandemic. And people don't even think it's a good time to sell. One of the sort of side effects of the pandemic was that even though people thought it was a bad time to buy, many people, and it was a good time to sell. Now people think it's a bad time to buy, less people think it's a good time to sell. And frankly, that's reflected in the rest of the housing market data. We're seeing fewer and fewer home purchases and transactions going on because people are just really down on the housing market in general. All right, Henry, you got your boots on the ground out there. You're in the trenches looking for deals every day. What are you seeing out there? Is there any merit to this negativity that people seem to have about the housing market? I mean, I definitely think there's some merit to it. Things are have absolutely slowed down from even three or four months ago. Um, we have uh, homes are sitting on the market uh, a little longer. Buyers are negotiating more uh, concessions into their offers. And I've had uh, I've had one house literally fall apart at closing uh, two times in a row now um, because sellers either found something else they wanted or just decided at the last minute they didn't want this. And so that didn't happen you know, a year to two years ago. Like if it was getting under contract, people were figuring out a way to close and it, it, it's not happening now. Uh, I think that uh, things are still selling though, David. So it just takes a little longer and it has to be, you have to really focus on the fundamentals of uh, investing right now. Like you have to renovate to what the general public in that particular part of town wants. You have to go a little bit above what they're expecting, right? You can't just put the same stamp on every single property like you could a year ago. You have to really pay attention to the market, who's buying there, what are their other options, and be slightly above them. It's forcing us to be better operators. But people are still buying homes. And I, on the buying side, I am still buying great deals in this environment. So the transactions are happening, but I can see how the pessimism is playing into the bottom line for real estate investors, because the longer I hold a property, the more that thing is costing me and holding costs every month. I've got to spend a little more on my renovations than maybe I didn't. I, I had to maybe about a year or two ago. It's just, it's, it's forcing you to be, it's forcing you to be a better operator. Absolutely. Can I ask, can I have a, a follow-up question on that, Henry? Because I've talked to a couple of realtors recently that said that they felt like they saw a pretty instant uptick in interest inquiries offers based on the fact that uh, interest rates kind of fell over the last couple of weeks. So I'm curious on your end, obviously you're saying that things are sitting down on the market here for a little bit, a little bit longer than they were a year or two ago. Are you feeling any sort of 
I don't know, quick upticks from interest rates falling? Or have you not seen that across your business quite yet? You know, that's a great question. Yes, I would say that we are seeing an uptick now. Obviously, the rates dropped, you know, a couple of, you know, within the past couple of weeks, you're not going to get a closing that fast. But I have seen showings increase on the properties that we have on the market since the rates have come down. So as soon as those rates came down, we really started to get showings and more volume on properties that were have been sitting a little longer than most. Yeah. Dave, what do you think? I think, David, the, the question you're, you're asking is probably the one of, if not the most important question for the housing market next year, because the impact of rate fluctuation on demand is pretty well known, right? Like rates go down, more people want to buy. But I think what's really been surprising over the last few years is rising rates has reduced supply. Fewer people want to sell. And so if we start to see rates come down, more people are going to want to buy. I think that's pretty obvious. But are we going to start to see more inventory is sort of the question I'm very curious about. There's not really much of a precedent for this. And it'll just be interesting to see because if if both sides start to come back, buyers and sellers, we could start to see a much healthier housing market. Whereas if we only see demand come back and not the sellers, we'll start to see maybe it's possible that we'd see rapid appreciation again, like similar to what we saw during the peak pandemic years. Yeah. When that happens, what you just described, we tend to see wealthier people are the only ones transacting in real estate because they can afford to buy houses with bigger down payments that will still cash flow. They can make these deals work. Whereas the person who's just trying to get started has a very hard time busting into the the uh, market when there's not a lot of supply. So prices stay high and there is demand, but rates are so high that they really can't compete with the big dog. So uh, that is a significant thing to be concerned about because I think all of us would agree we want to see your average American who's trying to climb themselves out of a financial pit or just get into more secure financial footing, be able to use the real estate market to do so. So we've heard about how Americans in general are feeling about the economy and the housing market. And now we're going to dig into what investors are thinking about. It's time to dig into the RCN Capital and CJ Patrick's Investor Sentiment Survey for the fall of 2023. This was regarding residential real estate where different investors were interviewed and asked questions about what they thought about the market. Dave, what did we find in this survey? Yeah, so I really like this survey because it really focuses on the niche that we are all in here. Like we started this conversation talking about consumer sentiment. So basically everyone in the U.S., we drilled down a little bit into home buyers, and now we're just talking about residential real estate investors and how they're feeling. And how they're feeling is basically how what I experience all the time is that it's completely split right down the middle, right? So the question asks, how does the environment for residential real estate investing compare to one year ago? And the number of the percentage of people who say that it's better or much better is about 39%. Whereas the amount, the percentage of people who say it's worse or much worse is 37%. So about 35, 40% of investors say it's getting better. 35, 40% are saying it's getting worse. And the rest say it's about the same. So it feels like investors are really quite split right now, which actually I'm kind of intrigued by because this is residential real estate investing, at least in my conversations with investors, most residential investors I know feel like it's a little bit better this year. Most commercial investors feel like it's much worse. So I'm curious what you guys think, but that's that's sort of what I've seen. I mean, I feel like that's always, there's always half the people saying it's good, half the people. There was like, you know, for the last five years, we've had such a good real estate run that 
there were always people that were like, oh, I can see the writing on the wall. I can see the writing on the wall for like five years in a row. And then finally, when it happened, they're like, see, told you. And it's like, well, you've been saying that literally for like 10 years. So and then now it's flip flopping. And now I don't know. I I always feel like it's always going to be split a little bit. I feel like it's the fact that interest rates are dropping is a little bit of a okay, I can I can at least kind of breathe and sort of re-strategize now. But um, I, I, I mean, I, I'd assume that there's still probably a very large portion of people that are just, they got a little bit of scar tissue and probably just being a little bit more cautious moving into 2024. Henry, what about you? Yeah, I think Dave and Rob, you both nailed it in terms of like residential real estate investors. Like for me, this is, I, I've viewed this past few months but really this past year as one of the best times that I've ever seen in terms of the ability to buy real estate. Yes, the interest rates are high. I get that. I, I'm not saying it's the best time in terms of cash flow. Like Obviously, cash flow is better when interest rates are lower. But it has been the best time in terms of the ability to buy a property at a substantial discount that is going to be a great long-term investment. Like I've been able to buy more deals this year than I think I've ever transacted in a, in a 12 month period. And then I, for the past 90 days have been even ramping up on that, uh, because of those situations. It's, 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 uh, if you think about, we talked about the sentiment and how people feel about the market. And so you're right. People don't typically feel like it's a good real estate market. And so those people who are actually selling right now, probably need to, or else why would they be doing it in a market that they're not confident in? And so because they need to sell and there's some situations that they need to get out of, you know, investors are able to get in there and, and negotiate um, better prices or more concessions or things that are going to benefit their investing portfolio in the long term. Now, the, the, the caveat of the catch has been like, can I sustain this thing in terms of will it pay for itself, right? Am I going to make monthly income or at least will it cover for itself? Um, and so my strategy has and continues to be, I'm going to buy value. I'm going to buy a good deal, right? So just because it's a good deal doesn't mean it's going to cash flow. So I may buy something and buy it at a substantial discount. And yeah, at a nine, nine and a half percent interest rate, maybe it doesn't cash flow or maybe just barely cash flows a little bit. But if I walked into 50, 60, 70, $80,000 worth of equity, then I've kind of got this cushion that if I need to sell it, I can and I won't lose money. And if I can hold it, then I'm banking on. What's that equity and appreciation going to get me in two, three, four years? And then what's that cash flow going to be if and when rates come down and I can refinance it? So in terms of buying, it's just been a phenomenal time right now. Rob, moving into 2024, what is the play for real estate investors based on the information that we've learned from these surveys? You know, it's kind of going back to Henry's last point, which is like, if interest rates are high, the cash flow is going to suffer. My philosophy in, on real estate really since I've gotten into this game is... Figure out other ways to make money uh, for cash flow. Like never pay yourself from from real estate. Focus on the equity. Don't lose money on it. I'm very anti losing money on a real estate deal, but I'm fine with breaking even or making a little bit of money. And so I think that's probably the mindset a lot of people have to focus on going into 2024. Is like, hey, this isn't going to be my cash cow. That doesn't mean that you can't build wealth through the equity and appreciation, but figure out other ways to make money to supplement what you hope to be making from real estate. And I'll I'll say that advice. No matter what time period, no matter how great the economy is, like don't pay yourself from real estate cash flow, dump it back into the portfolio. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Rob. That's, I have the same personal philosophy. I just I think there's a lot 
of people who want to quit their job. And uh, that's a fine aspiration. But I do think right now in today's market, it is risky to try and do that, uh, particularly if you're inexperienced and haven't been doing this for a while. And if you haven't been doing it for a while, you probably haven't built up enough cash flow to to confidently retire. So I think there it it's a good time to invest, just like any time is a good time in, to invest, as long as you're investing for the right time horizon. If you want to invest in real estate just to be in it for two or three years, don't do it. It's just not a good idea ever. It's particularly a bad idea right now. If you're trying to invest for three, five, seven, ten years and build up a business or build up equity over the long term, then I do think it is a positive time to invest because there is less competition right now. As we've seen from the surveys we've talked about today, fewer people want to get into this housing market. And I know it's a very long time ago, but and people now, when they look back at buying in 2010, 2011, 2012, they think, oh my God, I, it was so easy back then. And in retrospect, it was, but people also thought you were crazy to buy back then. I, I can attest to that. And so I think you need to sort of think about the long run and think about that housing in the United States goes up over time. If you can just hitch your wagon to the average performance of the housing market, you're going to do pretty well and just not focus on timing the market. To me, that's that's where a lot of people go wrong when they're getting started. So on that topic, let's end with this. I want to get each of you's opinion when it comes to timing the market. Uh, obviously, with hindsight, we see that buying eight years ago, six years ago was really good timing of the market. But at the time you have to make the decision, you don't know. It can go down just as much as it can go up. We can go into a recession or depression just as easily as we could go into a boom. What's your overall financial advice for investors taking into consideration that we don't know exactly what the market is going to do? Henry, I'll start with you. Yeah, I said it earlier. You've got to buy value. You know, it's it's I'm walking into equity on day one. Now, that equity and price that I'm buying that house for may not cash flow a ton. That's OK. Cash flow is just one of the ways real estate pays you. But if you're walking into value or equity, if something happens and you change your mind and we're talking, you know, substantial value here, not not a house listed for 300 that you buy for, you know, 295. Right. I'm buying properties at a 40 to 50 percent discount. Right. And so that gives me a cushion if things were to shift, meaning what if values come down 10, 15 percent? Right. What if something crazy happens? We've got, you know, we haven't talked about, you know, the political landscape or the sociopolitical landscape. If something crazy happens and that ends up having an impact on the market, I've got some cushion to be able to turn around and potentially sell these properties or to be able to to uh, refinance them if and when rates come down a little bit to create some of that cash flow. There's equity in them and that allows me to be able to refinance. So. Uh, I would tell anybody, if you're getting into this right now, you need to have a long-term perspective longer than the next two to three years, and you need to be able to have value. Yeah, let me let me jump in on that. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I, I, honestly, everyone looks like a genius 30 years from now if they bought real estate today. And uh, I think that pretty much holds true in, in almost any scenario, unless you just have really bad luck with one specific house. But you know, we all kind of look like we all look like a dummy at some point in our real estate career and then all of a sudden 10 15 20 years appreciation does its thing and then it's like whoa 
You bought in Los Angeles when houses were $600,000. That's crazy. They're $4 million now, right? Like That's what I say to people now who tell me they bought a house in Los Angeles for $80,000 back in the 90s or whatever. And I'm like, that's crazy talk because now houses are so much more expensive. So just understand that if you are in this in the long game, then time is on your side. Time heals pretty much all real estate wounds. Dave? My, my best advice for trying to time the market is just don't. And I think the, uh, the the strategy that I've used both in real estate and in the stock market is something called dollar cost averaging. Um, if you've ever heard of this, it's basically rather than trying timing the market, you decide to invest a certain amount of money at a certain interval. So it's easy to understand with the stock market. Like I'll invest a thousand dollars every other week into index funds because I don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes I buy it at the top. Sometimes I buy it at the bottom, but over the long run, it averages out to what the stock market is doing, which is eight to nine percent every year over the long run. If you can do that in the housing market, you're going to enjoy a lot of appreciation. Now, obviously, you can't, everyone can't buy a house every week. But if you say, I'm going to try and buy a rental property every year or every other year, once I've saved up enough money, sometimes you're going to buy, you know, in a great time to buy. Sometimes it's not going to be the best time to buy in retrospect. But as David said, you don't know when you're buying. So you have to just keep doing things with regularity. And if all you do over the entire entire course of your real estate investing career is do as well as the average housing market over the next 20 or 30 years, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be very happy with how your investments turn out. So to me, you just don't even try and time the market and just invest at regular intervals and you're going to do just fine. Thank you for that, gents. If you have enjoyed this podcast, if you like hearing this information, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. That will help us out a ton. If you'd like more information about me or any of our hosts, please check out the show notes where you can find our information to give us a follow. And if you haven't already done so, check out biggerpockets.com. It's an incredible website. We're more than just a podcast with tons of resources that will help you on your investment investing journey, which we would like to see nothing more than that. We're going to let you guys go. This is David Green for Sir Arthur's Knights of the Real Estate Roundtable, signing off. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.